0: I'd like to read to you an article from Swami Round Us's magazine. Uh, it was put out in April of 1969. Love shall prevail. The power of love and harmony shall prevail in the end, either in the life of an individual or humanity at large. God or truth must triumph over the evil force that seeks to dominate over human lives. However dark the prospects of the world harmony and peace appear to be, a clear vision of the future reveals the goal of world union and brotherhood as an inevitable consummation of the titanic struggle and strife through which mankind is passing. The glimpses of the cosmic spirit can be caught through all the apparent turmoil and chaos of the present day. So there's absolutely no reason to despair and apprehend that all will be lost. India is a land of spirituality, a land which gave birth to saints and sages who have reached the peaks of divine consciousness, who have plunged deep into the mysteries of life and found the immortal source from which the worlds come forth. Their spirit and message will check and put down the forces of the lower nature that have caused the present highly disturbed condition of the world. In fact, in all the spheres of action, in all the modes of movements of nature, in all the turns the world's affairs take, there is the one sole universal power at work. The individual gradually rises from the lower planes of existence, where he meets with conflict and discord, to the supreme state where he realizes spiritual harmony and peace. Just as it happens in the life of an individual, so in the life of the world a critical stage has come. The war and its effects have been brought about this situation, have brought about this situation. A decided turn for for a better order of things is bound to take place. Humanity is guided by the divine to consolidate all its various units into one federation founded upon freedom and equality. After the storm that is raging, a state of calmness and serenity is sure to follow. We may repeat, the power of love and goodwill must triumph over the disruptive forces. Men have come to recognize that petty ambitions of life are the bane of world's progress and evolution. An insensate hunger for material power and glory has been the cause of widespread distress and misery in the world. It is rank pride, false prestige, and sheer perversity that have stood in the way of unity of all nations of the earth. God's light will dispel the present darkness. He who watches with eyes that look into the future, having a heart enlightened with the light of love divine, and leavened with faith that stands unshaken amidst the most violent storms of life, knows that God's will alone is supreme and it works always for good. Let us therefore face boldly the existing state of things and adapt ourselves with composed heart to the great changes that are envisaged in the near future. Change is the law of nature or the law of God. Let us submerge all differences and create an atmosphere of peace and harmony. Life is immortal, life is glorious, life is a positive expression of the divine. Know that this is the truth about your life. Let us shed our weakness and fears. Let us live nobly, taking a firm stand upon the consciousness of our immortality and act in such a way as to hasten the day of the liberation of humanity from the clutches of destructive forces. This is the mission of every human being. Let us wake up to it, let our individual interest, outlook, and attachments transform into welfare of humanity, universal vision, and equal love for all peoples on the earth. Nothing short of our elevation to this height can help the evolution of humanity to its spiritual heritage. Truly, the salvation of an individual cannot be possible unless he realizes his oneness with all lives and beings. Hence it behooves us to eradicate from our minds all thoughts of hate, jealousy, and ill will of every kind. Let divine love and peace have sway over us. Let us view all people in the world as the manifestations of the same divinity. Let us always think, speak, and act in terms not as mere individuals, not as communities, not as races and nations, but as members of the same world family as children of the One Divine Parent and as embodiments of the One Divine Power. I'd like also to read to you from one of Master's writings entitled On the Throne of Omnipresence. I sit in the superconscious chamber of bliss. Once in a while during the diurnal solar hour, I come down into my parlor chamber of consciousness. Then I open the doors of music, vision, fragrance, taste, and touch, and let the fairies of song, color, fragrance, taste, and tenderness come and dance before me. They make me laugh, they make me cry. When I cry too much and become bruised by the wounds of trials, I close the doors of the senses, lest even the aroma of the rose or the song of the nightingale divert me. Then I race through immeasurable space into the chamber of sleep and dreams. There I lie quiet beneath the many sheets and quilts of darkness. After a while, perhaps when I've had enough of sleep, I open the secret antechamber and get into the chamber of dreams. And there I begin to play my homemade films of experiences in the movie house of the subconscious mind. There in this movie house, I do just as I please. I weave the golden cloth of dreams with the silken threads of sweet memories that I may write the name of God thereon. I am his child, the prince of the cosmos, son of the omnipotent. I tarry in the chamber of changes and play with the senses in the chamber of consciousness or in the little cinema room of my dream movies. But when I am through with these two chambers, once in a while I roar through space in the plate of my fancy, into the region of unplumbed darkness. Since darkness is something, I try to get beyond its yawning gulfs, onto the shores of eternal void. There in the land of oneness, no dualities, not even dreams, dare to disturb me. I am the king of all creation, the factory of the cosmos, the king of all things, the prince of intuition, omniscience. I am the prince of peace, the king of three worlds, sitting on the throne of my omnipresence. Master was a great poet. It is very interesting to see the difference. Ramdas also was a very great poet. But to see the difference in them. One is totally divine and yet very much expresses his realization of God in the human. And the other one seems to like all duality and everything that comes forth from him is the utmost in wisdom. Both have that, but they are two expressions of the one thing. I think all of you will recognize the fact that I... Mostly, am like my own guru in the way that I express myself I like the personal. I am a people person I like to be with people I like to show my love, my affection for them And I like to do everything possible To take them to God Twice lately Somebody has said that I'm an awful flirt and I do not consciously flirt at all, I can assure you. But, whatever I have, whatever I am, I use to draw people to God. And, if they choose to call it that, and it does the work, wonderful. <laughs> I remember that uh, Swami Ashokananda, whom I have told you so much about, made the statement once that, I was the fullness of God in action. And I said to him, is that bad, Swamiji? No, 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 he said, that is very good. He said, you use everything you are and everything you have as a woman to draw people to God. (laughs) These things are very, very interesting. I have uh, sent cards to different ones in India over the holidays and many places where I plan to go this fall and the response is tremendous. Everybody that I've heard from. I got a card from, or rather a letter from Swami Anomaly in South India in Madras today. And he wrote a very lovely letter welcoming me, telling me that he would be delighted to see me. Then all of a sudden, this great saint who is supposed to be a Devan Mukta said, Oh mother, there is nothing in the world. We come from nothing and we go to nothing. You know, that depresses me. And I thought to myself, I don't feel that way about it at all. And I'm looking forward greatly to seeing this man because I enjoy uh, the verbal discussions we have and the play of wits that we have because we're total opposites. He's very, very strong in his ideas and I'm equally strong in mine. And so we usually have a diversity of opinion And so I think this will be a very fine subject for us to discuss when I get there.
1: (laughs) I can't see something
0: which I think that all of this creation is coming out of nothing. When God is, and all of this world, as I've told you many times, to me, is God living his life. Life is God and God is life. It is true that the forms which clothe creation change and gradually disappear. But there is something that exists, that always has, that does exist and always will exist. And that is the infinite spirit of God. And regardless of how many clothes we take on and put off, still that spirit continues to live. That consciousness, that energy, it just but leaves one form and enters into another one in its progress toward its own divinity. And yet it has nowhere to go because it is already there. But as the Indians say, it is God's lila, his play. I think it is tremendous to think of the fullness of life, the joy of life, the beauty of life and to enjoy every single moment of it. I feel desperately sorry for people who want to get out of life, who cannot enter into life, who don't feel directed to have fellowship with their fellow man because God dwells in every form. This is why we were put here, to have this fellowship, this brotherhood, because all of us are strung like beads on the one rosary of God. The same Spirit runs through every single form, and God is the Father of us all. This is the end of an old year, as we call it. I remember one time when my son was very little, and uh, there was a theater up at the top of the hill where we lived just a block above us, and so he was asked to be little New Year's. Well, somehow... He was supposed to wear a diaper with a huge <coughs> pin, and that was all. And they had this great big uh, hoop, and it had a newspaper plastered over it so that you couldn't see it. And at the given moment, he was supposed to burst through that hoop. Then they had old father time with the sign, you know, and the whole thing. The only thing that I didn't know was that he had gotten into some cough medicine that had a sedative in it. In it. And he had partaken freely of that sedative, that cough medicine. So it came time for a little New Year's to break through the poop. And he broke through it all right, but he fell flat on his face. (laughs) These things happen. (laughs) And of course it brought down the whole audience, but they didn't know the reason for it. (laughs) Later found out and did what was necessary. But (laughs) we can look back over the year. You know, if we just take a few minutes and begin at the beginning of last year, and we think of the wonderful evening that all of you had. I wasn't with you because I was extremely ill and confined to bed, but I was with you in spirit. But I understand that you had a tremendous evening in God together, and your souls were lifted high, And I'm sure on that evening and the day following that all of you thought about making new resolutions. That this year you were really going to put God first, put everything else aside, and pursue your God realization. I'm sure that many of you decided that you were going to get rid of certain bad habits and in their place that you were going to... Start a new way of life. You're going to set yourself new goals, not only in the spiritual field, but in the material world. And as you look back at this past year, if you face yourself honestly, I wonder just how many of the things that you resolve to do and to do away with have actually been brought to pass. If they haven't been, we have nobody to blame but ourselves because we live in this temple. We have jurisdiction over it in the human sense, and we can use this God-given gift of life either to turn our faces toward God and give him everything we have, devote every moment, every effort to realizing our oneness with him inside, or we can use it to fritter away our time, to become and to remain the slaves of our senses. And I'm sure that there isn't anybody here who doesn't have some regret that he didn't make more of this past year. I'm busy all the time, but still I have regrets. I have regrets sometimes I'm not 12 people. I don't know what I do with me but I have so many things, so much work that I have to do besides just the everyday uh, tasks. And I don't seem to get them accomplished and I get so frustrated. And I have made up my mind that this year I am going to get these things done before I leave this country. At least I'm going to get my files straightened out so that I'm going to get my things organized. But I have hundreds of tapes that I've made through the years some of them worth keeping and others not so much so. But the tapes right from the beginning tell the story of a soul's progress from the human to the divine. And from that standpoint, they're interesting. Many of them I certainly couldn't send out in public now because I wasn't too sharp in the beginning, you know. (laughs) Never having had any formal education, I used to murder the King's English. And uh, as I listened back to the tapes, uh, all the sentences were strung together with ands. And then in order to make sure that they realized that I was telling them the truth as I went along, and I would end the sentence with, then, that is the truth. And I had more of those in that sermon sometime than anything else. It's very interesting to go back and listen to some of the things that you've said, you know? <laughs> And if you're honest with yourself, you can do a really good job of criticizing and of deciding, um, you know, how you can better yourself. But this is true of anything in life. Now, all of you look to me, and I receive many, many beautiful letters, and the love that you give me is absolutely tremendous. And I return this love to you, even though I don't answer the letters. (laughs) But nevertheless... I, myself, am constantly trying to better myself and to improve myself. And I have made, really, some tremendous resolutions for this year. Each year, I accomplish a certain amount. Each year, the work grows. And it isn't because of me. It's because of God. You realize that how many people come through these doors and sit in this room in a year and how many remain? We have many transients. We have many people who are on journeys and perhaps they've heard of us. And so they wanna see what it's all about, listen to what it's all about, and they come in here. And if they are impressed in any way, if God through this form has been able to reach out and touch them, they go away feeling that they have something very special. And then as they journey in the various parts of the country, they meet other souls and they tell these souls about what they have heard. All of a sudden, I'll get a telephone call or a letter from someone I've never heard of before. And so in spite of the fact that we don't advertise, that we don't really go out after anyone, the work and the word is spreading by word of mouth. And it's growing beyond, really, my wildest dreams. And yet I know that it must grow and grow and grow. And each year, I see the growth of God's work and it becomes greater and greater. It spreads over a wider area. And it's simply beautiful. I've been told by some of the greatest saints, by some astrologers, that by, I think it's either when I'm 86 or by 1986, I never get these things straight. (laughs) Anyway, that this truth that I am teaching this particular word that we are starting right here in this room, is going to spread all over the earth. Now, that's a little difficult. It blows your mind when you think about it. (laughs) You know, we think how few we are, and yet we are many because uh, we're growing all over, many spots, and we have small groups here and there and everywhere with wonderful people leading them and wonderful people coming. And now we're going to Europe again and to India. And Kathy and David are going to live in Europe for a year, year and a half, And I know of no more dedicated souls than those two. They try with everything they can to go to God. Every morning, every evening, they meditate. Every day, Kathy writes me a letter, and David does the best he can. He has a great deal of difficulty getting the pen on paper, but he's doing much better. And they've both started giving sermons now. Their home is always open to everyone, and they do a fantastic job. So if they learn how to speak German, as long as they're going to live in Austria, conceivably, we might have some more centers in Europe. That's very interesting. I've written to people whom I know in Europe and have gotten wonderful replies. And so we'll be meeting new people, having new adventures. And when I come back, hopefully, I will have many, many wonderful tales to tell you again. And hopefully, with the wonderful camera you gave me, a great many pictures to show you. So this is the way the work spreads. But first, all of us have to think about priorities. We have to think about organizing our lives and deciding which is most important. And that is very important. That is the first order of things to realize. What are your priorities and to put them first? You know, it's a strange thing. The things that are the most important sometimes, because they are so important, because perhaps they take a little more attention, a little more doing, we put them off and we carry them on our back like a burden all the time, not realizing that if we did the most difficult things first, then the rest would follow after very easily and we would get rid of all of this frustration and the constant reaching towards something that we haven't accomplished. Believe me, if I have a fault, it's procrastination along that line. I admit it freely and it's going to change. It has to change because if this work is growing the way it is, uh, I'm not Mrs. God. I can't do it all myself, but I do have to have my own work organized so that I can help and train those who are going to be in the work and help it to spread in a much more efficient fashion. And I think that they have all done a magnificent job in spite of me. (laughs) It's true, it's really true because I've had a health problem to fight and I've been busy and uh, I am 72 years old and I do get tired, you know? And uh, so it's, it's working under a handicap, but we're going to make it through God's grace. And I think it's going to be wonderful. i like all of you to give deep thought to the things that you want to accomplish this year. And those things, every single one of them, should involve first and foremost what they will do to help you to realize your oneness with God. Because that's the soul, the only reason that all of us are put on this earth, and that is to realize our oneness with Him. It's tremendous when you are able to overcome the materialistic ideas and the goals and the pleasures of the senses that you have always had in the human state. And as you start into to meditate, to do the techniques which are taught you to follow the truth which is given to you, how the doors and the windows within you open up and you start to envision and to realize and to experience a world that you never even dreamed of. You didn't realize that you had so much power within you. That you have the power of vision. You have the power of mental telepathy. You have the power to overcome any obstacle that is put in your path if you will only put your full faith in God, set your mind upon it, and do that which is necessary. Constantly, I have um, demonstrated and manifested that in my own life because constantly I have had some of the biggest battles anybody could face. And yet, I never give up and i think that that's the thing which really takes us there that you set yourself that goal and that you never never give up until you reach that goal that you let no obstacle how no matter how small how large stand in your way of attaining that and as you develop the habit of thinking only about god of thinking of your union with him of meditating upon him morning and evening, of worshiping him, constantly adoring him. You will look forward to that time. And the things which formerly drew you away from meditation and from thinking about God all of the time are going to gradually lose their hold upon you. And you're going to look forward to this communion with God in the sanctuary of your own soul and the silence of your own body temple more than anything that can be offered to you on the outside. And you're going to have more peace, more contentment, and worlds of beauty, of music, of art, of literature, of science, of all of the wonderful, beautiful things, and then all of the wonderful, simple things of nature and those not so simple will open up and present themselves to you in a new way. You know, there were times when I wanted a release from the constant grind of of the ministry. I'm sure that no matter what job we are on, all of us get that way sometimes. And yet, when I would take a vacation, even for a couple of weeks in years gone by, my life was absolutely empty. I couldn't find anything that satisfied me at all. And I had a hunger to get back and to talk about God to meditate upon him and to be working with God in people again because that was the only way I felt that my life was fulfilled when I thought of going back to the life as it had been before I met my guru and even in the earlier stages when I had many things to go through as every devotee does that part of my life seemed absolutely senseless it seemed empty and I'm sure that each and every one here, when they look back and see the difference in the way that their life was before they put their feet upon the spiritual path and sought the Christ within themselves, was well, very, very different than it is today. The power of God in this group is beautiful. The souls that come here, every single one of them are dedicated. And it's a wonderful thing to see. If you could read the letters that come across my desk every day and see the expressions of gratitude, of love for the change in the lives of those who write, you would see what I mean and know that there is no greater work in this world than to give up your own life in service to God. And I think of each and every one of us can make up our minds to be a witness for Christ this coming year. But first to find that Christ within ourselves, as he is in every one of us. slow I am with you always. Isn't it a wonderful thing when you think of that Christ's presence actually within you, that he always has been, that he is and he always will be there, waiting for you to discover him, to get rid of your little self, And to pick up your cross, which is to say your body, and follow in his footsteps, even unto the state of the death of the human ego. That ego must die. That sense of separation must go before you can realize who and what you are. That in truth you are an heir with Christ, as our scriptures tell us. And that's a wonderful thing to think about. When you really go inside and forget everything else in the outside world, forget your little self and concentrate on that Christ within you and you feel the power and the beauty and the wonder of his infinite presence within you. Your whole being is lifted up. All of a sudden before your vision you see a light such as you've never seen before. You have a different feeling. Sometimes you even hear heavenly music And this is all a part of the path to God. Part of it is difficult, but the difficult part is nothing when you compare it with the reward which comes as you pick up your cross to follow the Christ. You must follow him, emulate him in every detail of your life. Now he was not a namby-pamby as we say. He was a man of action. He also had a temper which he used occasionally as was brought forth in his um, confrontation with the money changers in the temple. He didn't hesitate to speak up for God. He didn't hesitate to speak up for right. He didn't hesitate to tell somebody the truth about themselves, even though that truth was unpleasant. But yet, in so doing, he always set forth the example of love. And he did it in such a way, somehow... That he perhaps made the people feel ashamed But he also inspired them To pick up their cross and follow him To reach out for a higher and a better life Than they'd ever known before To give up the idea of the sin of separation From God, his father And the most remarkable thing about this man Was his humility, his humility I of myself am nothing, he said it is my Father who doeth the works. And that is one danger on the spiritual path because as soon as you try or start having some experiences, as soon as you feel the power of God starting to work within you, as soon as you get visions or special directions or special experiences, that old eagle comes in and it tells you, Oh, how far you have come. How great I am, it says. Look how far I have come in God. And yet, could you have gone one quarter of an inch, if it were not, for the intelligence, the energy, the power that God himself put in you and enabled you to do it? Is he not giving you the whole thing? Is he not, in fact, doing it through this form which he made? And you know, when you really stop to think about it, that cuts you down to size. And when we can truly each and every one of us say i of myself am nothing it is my father who doeth the works and i came to lead you to my father if each and every one of us can do that if each and every one of us can become ministers of god witnesses for christ not to stuff it down somebody's throat not to force it upon somebody you know how i feel about that i think that Every man must have the right to worship God in the way that God within him directs him to do. And he has made multitudinous paths. He works in mysterious ways. His wonders to be performed all over the world. No religion is better than any other religion. The religion is merely the path which will lead you to God if it is what it should be. But the path is to be found within yourself. And your religion is purely and simply, as the Master said, to do away with sorrow, with trouble, with unrest, all the rest of these things, and to reach out for peace and happiness and abundance. And you reach out for them in the material world, and while you may get them for a little while, they don't always last and they do wear out or you eat them that's true look at the food we eat every day the amount of time we spend cooking shopping, eating it goes to keep us uh, living, this is true but so much time is given to that if we were to spend as much time in meditating upon God in constantly repeating his holy name in making every single effort to find our oneness with him, as we do with all of these other things, we would indeed attain our God-realization in a hurry. That's what we all came for. For salvation, as the Christians call it. Now, what does salvation mean? It means to be saved from something. What are we to be saved from? We are to be saved from the idea of the sin of separation from God. Because if God be one as we know he is, if he be omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, then every single thing is he. And so the difficulty lies in our own consciousness, our inability to accept our oneness with him now. If you can only realize that this moment, you are God's child made in his image and likeness part and parcel of himself the separate cell of his one body which yet is a part functioning living every part of life as one with that great one it's wonderful when you stop to think about it it's wonderful there is an art to living And you have a choice every moment, whether you're going to live a beautiful, wonderful, satisfying, fulfilling life, or whether you're going to spend all of the days of your life mourning and groaning and thinking how terrible your lot is. The thing that must be changed is our own attitude. That is vitally necessary. You can make up your mind that you're either going to be an old grouch and just be lambasting everything and everybody that comes across your path because nothing is right. Or you can start practicing the Pollyanna idea of trying to find good in everything, which indeed there is. And of remembering that no matter what seems <coughs> difficult that God has sent you, it is for your edification. It is for your uplifting. It is for ever taking you closer, closer to him. And we can't say on one hand that we want this union with God through Christ. And on the other hand, reject every test that he puts before us because we think it's too difficult and our poor little human egos can't stand it. And so sometimes we even wonder, is there a God? There was a little boy once who was going to school and uh, every day... In one class, they talked about current events. And all of the talk that went on disturbed him because there was so much violence, so much to do with war and hatred and destruction. He started home from school one night. He was running very fast. and All of a sudden, he stopped. He started going in the opposite direction. And he ran as fast as his legs could carry him to his grandfather's farm because his grandfather he thought was a very special kind of man and he had great wisdom and so this little boy David knew that if he could only get to his grandfather that perhaps he could give him the answer so he went there His grandfather was out in the field and he saw the little boy and he said David coming toward him what is wrong my son David says I have some Questions that are bothering me, Grandfather. I want to ask you all about them. So the Grandfather laid down his plow, and he said, Come, my son. He said, Let us go into the woods and sit down. So they went into the woods at the edge of a lake, and they sat there together. The Grandfather said absolutely nothing. The little boy sat waiting for him to speak to him. And he said nothing. And finally, as time went on, dusk appeared the sun went down in all of its splendor gradually the, the blanket of night spread the stars came out it advertised god's presence in the sky the moon came out and all the things of night could be heard saying their prayer of worship to the lord all of a sudden a silence a peace descended upon the little boy It was as though he could hear the voices of angels singing and he said to his grandfather grandfather in the silence through your not saying anything he said I have found the answer to my questions and the grandfather said yes my son this is true and he quoted to him this song the 46th Psalm of the Bible. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease into the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of Jacob is our refuge. This tells, in effect, the journey of every man. He says, therefore, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be moved. Now, when we start to go through the higher spiritual experiences, the earth, which is our body, goes through many, many strange things. And sometimes it seems as though an earthquake is happening inside of ourselves, and the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea. And it says, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling of thereof. There is a river. Now it's referring again to the spine. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, which is the city of Jerusalem, the holy city within your consciousness, the place of the tabernacle of the Most High. And it says, God is in the midst of her. In midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. And no matter what the soul is put through, God is ever-present, leading, guiding, directing that soul to himself. That's a wonderful part of it. And these two thieves, the forces of good and evil within ourselves, oppose each other. And first, we listen to the voice of one, and then we listen to the voice of the other. We're only interested in reaching out and finding the God within us. And yet many times we feel that we have made a mistake that we haven't done exactly as we should, that we have listened to the wrong voice, and it's quite a scary feeling. And you think, oh, now I've really done it. But yet you have to keep on. It's just like playing a game, you see, that if you make all of the right moves, there will be a prize at the end. And that's the way it is. That prize is the pearl of God-realization when the thousand-petal lotus of your brain opens up and all of your streets are paved with gold, as it tells us in Revelation. This is the thousand-petal lotus of the of the brain. The petals of the brain open wide and expand, and then the Spirit of God, which is the gold of God, breaks forth. And the only way that you can go through all of this is to go into the stillness. Be still and know that I am God. The eye that you look for is your real self your spiritual self who am i who am i and if you pursue that thought to the end you will find that this i is not the little self that one who sits on the throne of god telling himself he is god that human ego who thinks he's so great but it is the great inimitable immutable spirit of god how beautiful how wonderful it is When that day comes, and you find him in the cave of your heart, in the mountain of your own being, where it says that Jesus went so often to pray. It didn't mean that he was going into the mountains outside, although occasionally I'm sure that he did that. But it meant that he's going into the mountain of his own consciousness, into the highest part of his own being, because he knew there resided his Lord. And he was looking for communion with him. He was looking for help and for guidance. That he could teach all of the people the truth, the love and the beauty of God. And he needed that help. He needed it desperately. He knew he had to go through the crucifixion. And he said, Father, if it be thy will, say, take this cup from my lip. But it was but for this hour that I came. Because he knows that he, the Son of Man, which represents the human ego had to disappear had to die as it were in order that he find out who he really was the Son of God the Christed One the Radiant One and the Lord of all of the kingdoms of Heaven and of Earth every year gives us a new opportunity and yet in God there is no time or space And then, therefore, no separation. Never. We have concocted, because of the day and night and the passing of time, this idea of years. And yet God is beginningless. He is endless. Yet within himself, there is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. But this is just in man's consciousness. But when you once reach this high state of the realization of your oneness with god there is no place that you can look but what god is there no place where you can go you cannot separate god from god no matter where you go if you think you're going from here to there in an effort to find him you are leaving him there in order to find him there because he is equally present in both places but the answer is to be found not in making the outer journey, but in making the inward journey. And until you're willing to do that and go all the way, you really haven't known what life is all about. You haven't really lived. You can't isolate yourself from your fellow man because no man is an island and every single individual is interdependent, one upon the other in some way Man thinks sometimes that he's self-sufficient. Then he can go out on an island or he can go into the mountains or into the forest or into a cave and that's all he needs. But some place, some thing, some individual has to furnish him with sufficient to sustain him. He even gets it from nature, from the sun, from the rain that makes the things grow in the earth which furnishes food for his body everything depends on something or someone else I feel sorry for the individual who tries to isolate himself from life because he just stands at the gate begging for alms he doesn't get into that grand pageant of life that marches forward all the time he doesn't become a part of the excitement, the adventure Of finding himself, of finding his own peculiar and particular him, and making the most of it, so that he can contribute his share of life, that he can pay his debt for the great privilege of life which has been given to him, but for one purpose, and that is to find out who and what he is in God. In this coming year, I would like to see each and every one of you reach out for your highest star, your highest goal. I would like to see all attitudes changed so that they are so positive that there is no chance for failure, that you so condition your mind, your intelligence, yet you so change your actions in every way that there can be no doubt That by this time next year, you can look back at the year which is forthcoming now and say, Lord, I have done my best. It's been a good year. And you can see that it's taken you either all the way to him or a good portion of it. And I promise you that if you will persist and if you will put him first, seek ye first God and his kingdom, that all of the other things shall be added unto you. Someone said to me the other day, but I want marriage. And I said to that individual, why don't you want marriage with God first? And then all of the rest shall be added unto you. Always we want something, and then we will go to God. And our wants are so great that we never arrive at our destination because there's always something else in the human sense that we want. So let us seek first God and his kingdom. Let us keep his holy name upon our lips. Let us pray to him. Let us worship him. Let us adore him. Let us love him with all of our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our strength until for us there is nothing but the light of God everywhere. And if even this small group can do that, the change that will come in this world will be monumental. You won't be able to believe it. Because don't forget, as I told you, the Master said, for everyone that has the courage, the desire to go all the way to God and puts God before himself, 25 generations follow after. How beautiful, how wonderful that is. Let us start the journey of this year with our minds fully upon him. And let us not only dream of the things we want, Because faith without works is dead. Let us also get in and work at it with everything we have. Spread his word, but first you have to find it within yourself. It is there, but it is equally present everywhere. Call every man your brother. Give him your love. Give him your service. Forget yourself and think only of your service to God. And you will find that without any conscious effort on your part, one day you will have arrived. And that day will not come until you have forgotten you and think only of him, the infinite beloved.